Today, Rinpoche explained how there are a fixed number of perfections based on method and wisdom and the three highest higher trainings. Okay, so uh, now specifically what we're looking at uh, is the section <coughs> that deals with, um, we're getting into the six perfections. And specifically on the six perfections section, we have uh, uh, those relating to one's own needs and then those that are relating to others' needs. Um, so let me just find exactly... Uh, the fixed number of perfection based on fulfilling the two aims. So we have a discussion of the main topic, the fixed number of perfections, uh, and then an ancillary discussion uh, under how all precepts are included in the six perfections. Uh, and then under the, the discussion of the main topic, uh, we are now at the fixed number of perfection based on fulfilling the two aims, those aims for oneself and those aims for others. And so if one wishes <coughs> to practice the bodhisattva deeds, then it's necessary to engage in the practice of the six perfections. Those deeds are all included within those six practices or those six perfections. You know, the trunka, the guard, the what page? Sonja Drujo, the region. Sonja Drujo. Okay, so let me, I'm going to find exactly where we are uh, in the Tibetan and in the English. Um, so if we're on 360, which would begin somewhere around there. Okay. 
Okay, so in Tibetan we're on page 360. In the English we are on Tejan Tamche Dupa. So you can Tejan Tamche. Tejan Tamche. Fix number base. Refresh your chi power. La Dupa. Just trying to find exactly where we are in the um, the English because um, it says that all. Vehicles can be subsumed. Zhang Ye. Fixed number. Fixed number fixed. Techen Tamche Dupala Dupi Zhang Ye. Techen Tamche Dupala Dupi Zhang Ye. So what is it? Okay, so <coughs> fixed number of perfection. Okay, that's where we must be. Okay, so the fixed number of perfection. So page 107 in the English. Uh, D, the fixed number of the zhipa. Rimache, the fixed number of perfection based on their. Fixed number of perfections based on their subsuming the entire uh, Mahayana. Um, so that's, uh, I believe, where we're beginning. If I'm mistaken, well, correct, but I believe that's exactly where we are. Yes. Longshoyeba Jube Okay. Uh, so the fixed number of precept perfections based on their uh, subsuming the entire Mahayana. You are indifferent to resources because you are not attached to those you have and do not pursue those you lack. Since you then have the ability to safeguard precepts, you adopt and respect ethical discipline. 
You are patient with the suffering that comes from living beings in inanimate things, and you are enthusiastic about whatever virtue you set out to cultivate, so you do not get dispirited by either of these. You cultivate a non-discursive yoga of meditative serenity and non-discursive yoga of insight. So uh, here it's saying that um, these six perfections are practiced in the following ways. Um, so there are examples, and it's showing the qualities that one has if he or she is a practitioner of the bodhisattva way. So if one is a practitioner, then he or she uh, does not become attached uh, to the resources or the wealth that they have. So if they have things or they don't have things, uh, there isn't any attachment to getting them, nor an attachment to the things that one already possesses. Uh, so here when it speaks of not pursuing, that means not, this is really speaking of the attachment, um, uh, things you lack. If there's, translators note, if there's something that, it's not saying there's, if there's something that you need, don't go get it. It's just saying, it's talking more about the, in the Tibetan, the attitude related to the things you have and the things that you pursue. Um, um, and that you don't feel that you need these need material things uh, in order to be um, s satisfied. Uh, since you have the ability to sa uh, safeguard precepts, you adopt and respect ethical discipline. So when we uh, look at the various types of pratamoksha vows, for instance, uh, we have the um, ones which are observed by those who are ordained, such as the fully ordained and novice. Uh, monk and nun's vows, but then we also have householder vows, uh, precepts for those who are not ordained, um, uh, the five Mahayana or five layperson vows. Uh, so um, he, he we all have the ability to safeguard those, even if we are not or ordained. Um, so Rinpoche said that even if you are not ordained, uh, you have the ability, speaking through Rim Rinpoche, if even though you are not ordained, you have the ability uh, to practice these um, precepts of the, the lay person. Um, so uh, this would, would apply to all practitioners, um, those who are ordained and those who are not ordained, this practice of the Bodhisattva way through the practice of the six perfections. Dene? Uh, Sijinasijamayimbalatene Chicosodia, Okay, so here it says you are patient with suffering that comes from living being and inanimate things uh, and enthusiastic. So 
Uh, Rinpoche said, let's speak of this. So patience. So here there are two different divisions that are given uh, for things which you are to have patience for, um, things that you have to overcome um, through patience. So first would be from uh, suffering that comes from living beings. So there's various ways that we can divide patience. Uh, we can also divide it into developing patience of disregarding harm done to you, developing patience of accepting suffering, and developing the patience of the certitude about the teaching. So this is another way that one can divide patience. But in this category, we're speaking of patience in relation to inanimate and animate. So an animate object uh, would be, um, if for instance, the suffering that comes from a sentient being. Uh, so how does a sentient being give you suffering? So for instance, a dog bites you or a bug bites you. Uh, this is a suffering that is brought on by a sentient being, an animate object, a sentient uh, mind possessor. Uh, so um, this is the, the type of, the first type of patience, um, patience towards harm done by an animate object. Uh, patients that we're re uh, referring to inanimate things uh, would be, for instance, uh, when one becomes uh, overly hot because of the weather. Um, so hot weather um, would be an uh, example of the suffering of heat uh, that comes from hot weather. This is an inanimate object, a non-living, non-sentient object that is causing you suffering. Uh, so this is the second type of patience that one uh, um generates um, so this patience towards living beings that cause you suffering and patience towards things that are not living beings that basically that cause you suffering uh, so uh, these are two ways that one can divide patience and then I've explained the other way in way by three and Dene? ね。ね。ね。ね。ね。ね。ね。ね。ね。ね。ね。ね。ね。ね。ね。ね。ね。ね。ね。ね。ね。ね。ね。ね。ね。ね。ね。ね。ね。ね。ね。ね。ね。
Uh, so you see the first uh, 
um, resources. So through generosity, you get re, um, resources. So uh, we find the first of the six perfections presented, then the second of the six perfections presented uh, with respect to ethical discipline. Um, and then number three, you are patient with the suffering that comes from living beings and inanimate things. So the two types of patience presented here. Uh, and then uh, joyous perseverance or uh, is presented and you are enthusiastic about whatever virtue you set out to cultivate so you do not get dispirited by either of these. Uh, so here we find uh, patience and then effort or joyous perseverance. And then we find the last two, um, concentration and wisdom. Uh, you cultivate a non-discursive yoga of meditative serenity. So here this is speaking of um, the calm abiding. Uh, and a non-discursive yoga of insight. So this is referring to special insight. So there we see both concentration uh, and wisdom being presented. So that's what uh, those two uh, are referring to. And then the, those two make up for the last two of the six perfections. So um, we find the perfections presented here uh, along with their um, concomitants, if you... Uh, Let's see here. Um, with with what they, not only you see the presentation of the six, but um, what happens because of the practice of the six, if you will. Uh, I think that's the best way to translate it. So I I haven't found um, what I was looking for, um, but it's a, a fixed placement of the mind, um, and through it you find uh, Rimache mentioned the pliancies of the mind. Um, through these concentration, you get a pliancy of the mind and a pliancy um, of the body uh, that occurs. Um, so it's a, a, st a strict, specific thing uh, that occurs uh, from this uh, samadhi, from this um, uh, calm abiding. Um, so we'll f I'll see if I can find the exact, um, how it's defined. Um, at, at at the break or something, but the basic <coughs> uh, point <coughs> of it is, um, I'm just seeing if it's right here. It probably is. Comma by name. <laughs> Shiro Sajibi 
Okay, less so. Okay, so um, I we found uh, I found um, calm abiding um, is explained as the minds abiding on the abiding. So that's the minds abiding or placement. The mind staying placed on an internal object of observation upon the calming of distraction to the outside. Um, so there's a, it's this mind's placement on a fixed object of observation, um, and it says that. Um, it, it says another way, um, defined as a stabilization arisen from meditation and conjoined with a special pliancy. Uh, so those are the two points Rinpoche made about the pliancy. Um, so we see that um, uh, um, it's calm abiding defined as a stabilization arisen from meditation and conjoined with special pliancy. Then etymologically, uh, um, calm abiding is explained as the mind's abiding or being placed on an internal object of observation upon the calming of distraction of the outside. Um, so just that's, those were the definitions um, that Rinpoche just quickly went over and uh, you can see um, those are the points. Um, so then now Buddhists and non-Buddhists both have the ability to achieve these calm abidings, these levels of, of meditative concentration. Um, so what is the difference um, between what the Buddhists do uh, and the non-Buddhists do? Um, um, so the difference is the object of observation. Uh, so the object of observation uh, for a Buddhist is emptiness. Um, so the con what one is concentrating on is the nature of reality. And this is different than what a non-Buddhist concentrates on. So whereas a non-Buddhist would use maybe a stick as an object of observation and be able to achieve a calm abiding, in the Buddhist tradition, the object of observation that differentiates it is um, emptiness, is the nature of reality. And we find in um, Lama Tsongkhapa's um, Lamrim Dudin, the abbreviated stages of the path, uh, where it says that in a state merely single-pointed, uh, in a state of merely single-pointed meditative concentration, you do not have the insight which gives you the ability to cut the root of cyclic existence. Moreover, devoid of a path of mental quiescence, discriminating awareness by itself cannot turn back the delusions, no matter how much you analyze them. Therefore, on the horse of unwavering mental quiescence, the masters have mounted the discriminating awareness that is totally decisive about how things exist. Then with the sharp weapon of the middle path logic, Devoid of extremes, they have used wide-ranging discriminating awareness to analyze properly and destroy all underlying supports for their cognitions aimed at grasping for extremes. In this way, they have expanded their intelligence, which has realized voidness. I, the yogi, have practiced just that way. If you would also seek liberation, please cultivate yourself in this same way. Uh, so that's from the ab abbreviated stages of meditation where Lama Tsongkhapa states that merely achieving the mental uh, calm abiding, uh, the single-pointed concentration is not enough. 
This mental quiescence is not enough. It has to be observing something which can cut the root of cyclic existence. It's it, you can't just be staying in a, a state of 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 um, focus and have that in some way get rid of cyclic existence or suffering. It has to get rid of it somehow by cutting its root. And the way that that's done is by having the, the concentration focused on a correct object of observation that can do that, that can cut the root of cyclic existence. So that is the single-pointed concentration united with the, the special insight, which is the understanding of emptiness as its object of observation. Special insight is wisdom. Um, so this union uh, is what allows one to be free. One without the other will not produce any effects in terms of getting rid of cyclic existence. They both must be there in order to get rid of cyclic existence. So, Balasam. Ragu. 
Uh, so, where do we find these points that are made? Um, so, I think I just need to read up to it. Um, these six comprise all the Mahayana practices through which you advance by the six perfections. For you accomplish these practices in stages by means of the six perfections, you do not need any more than these six perfections. Uh, the ornament of the Mahayana Sutra says, the entire Mahayana is summed up in not delighting in the resources, reverence, not being dispirited in two ways, and the yoga free of uh, discursiveness. Two, four, five, six. Uh, so how does this translate? What, how does this relate? Um, so not delighting in the resources uh, is referring to um, the, the first point of generosity. Uh, from the resource, from generosity comes the resources. So, uh, not being attached or want or to those you have, and not wanting, being attached to those you want, things you want. Um, and then the next category says reverence. Reverence is referring to ethics because in dependence upon ethical behavior, one is able to achieve rebirth in the higher realms. One is able to achieve liberation. One is able to achieve complete Buddhahood. So one is revering, one is paying, bowing down, uh, paying homage to um, ethics. Not being despaired in two ways is uh, being patient about the two types of suffering of animate and inanimate objects, um, and then having joyous perseverance. Um, so um, and, and having joyous perseverance in, in terms of um, being enthusiastic about whatever you set to cultivate. And so not being dispirited. And, and um, not being dispirited, um, so it's patience and and, um, and joyous perseverance, patience uh, from the, the suffering, um, and then joyous in terms of actions, and then the um, other two, concentration and wisdom, the yogas. And the yoga is free of discurs discursiveness. Um, so that that's referring to um, um, concentration and wisdom, uh, free of signs, free of um, uh, true existence, um, true signs, true reality, true existence. Uh, so free of discursiveness, having some true identity. Uh, So then it says, given this, it is a contradiction to want to enter the Mahayana and yet to reject the practice of the six perfections. Uh, so here, perhaps, this is negating Hashan's view. Uh, Hashan holding the view that all conceptual thought um, was 
non-virtue was wrong um, uh, ultimately uh, and that it was like thinking that there was a difference between getting bit by a white or a black dog. Uh, both bites are bit are a bite. It doesn't matter. Uh, and then uh, Hashan used to say that it doesn't matter uh, if a cloud is a black cloud or if it's a white cloud. Both types of clouds cover the sun. Uh, so meaning that um, conceptuality, whether it's virtue or non-virtue, covers reality. Um, so Hashan was incorrect in that view. Um, and this entire section n negates his whole view that one's that conceptuality is a hindrance to enlightenment, uh, whereas this view is that it's necessary for enlightenment. Uh, this oh. assertion is that conceptuality is necessary to become enlightened, whereas Hashan negated it and stated that you couldn't have it to become enlightened. So it just negates the wrong view that Hashan brought up. Tosimbi Okay, so now that finishes number four, and now we're on number five. The fixed number of perfections in terms of the completeness of paths of method. Um, so there were six categories. We finished number four. Uh, this is number five. The path, i.e. method, for not being attached to the resources that are your possessions is generosity because you become free from attachment to your things by becoming habituated to giving them away. Um, so here this is the first uh, point. Um, so 
all of these are to prove that there's a fixed number of perfections. So all of these categories, the point of them is to prove that there are a fixed number. Um, so this is the fixed number in terms of completeness of paths and methods. So just anybody who's new or, you know, anyway. Um, so that, that's the point here. All of these sections have to do with proving there's a fixed number. Um, so this first one deals with generosity. Um, so um, that's number one of the, of the six perfections. Generosity is number one. Uh, let me see. So it, it says, uh, how do you not become attached to your resources, your things, your, uh, your drinks? Rinpoche said that the things you have to eat, things you have to drink, um, how do you not be attached to them? You share them. You give them away. The word share um, could also be used um, in this example where it says to um, become habituated to giving them away. You could become habituated to sharing. Um, could also be translated there. Um, so anyway, uh, giving them away. So this is how if you become not attached to your things, you give them away. Digson. Rimache, the the peak, the jimba, the the ngatsu longshu, the meijenda, the te, the 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 sena nepo, the made the 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 chapa nepo kare, the jimba. To see me, that's what you have is out on the combat of the other. What the two chaba. ちゃぶちゃぶじゅまでそまともあるべ。レッサ。ね、マチャビ、ラモン。たね、ジンバです、ジンバ。で、メジェンダ、カンガテ、ナツニャムド、ナジャユナ。ジェンダルティセ、
Um, and Rinpoche, that's why we were talking back and forth, and he was reading it again and again um, to see if the idea of share or the idea of just giving it away, because he's saying your house, your drinks, if you give your house away, you have nowhere to live. Um, they go, the Triwa, the Ngatsu Kamba Yuna, then Mejenda Te Ngatsu Kabarde, then Triwa. The the Ngatsu the Chala Kanga Mejenda Te, Inji K. Inji K, the Nge Chala Kanga Nga Chapa Yuna, Mejenda Nge Chala Tamche Te. The Pui Chipa Nge Chala Yuna Chala Kon Jenda Te. Okay, two check. So the word in Tibetan doesn't say give them away. It says generosity with your things being generous with them. So in Tibetan it says, the me uh, here, this is why the translation is so important because somebody might go home and give everything they have away and think that now they have the perfection of generosity. Really, as Westerners, we're pretty extreme in our actions. So it doesn't say that. It says the word for generosity is there where it says giving your stuff away. Um, so it says to become familiar with and the word in the Tibetan is like the same word for meditation. So you're meditating on, you're becoming familiar with being generous with your things. Um, so uh, that's really what the pith of the Tibetan is. So let's reread it. So the path, i.e. method, for not being attached to the resources that are your possessions is generosity because you are free from attachment to your things by being habituated to giving them away. Um, so, so it, it's becoming familiar with generosity is the point here. Um, let me see. Okay. Tá the method for restraining yourself from the distraction of trying to possess what you do not possess 
is ethical discipline. For when you maintain a uh, monk's vows, uh, you and I'll, I'll look and see if it says ordination or specifically monk's vows, you do not have all the distractions of making a living. Um, so here it's showing how ethical discipline, so ethics, um, here is specifically the individual liberation vow of the, f the ordained, uh, is saying that um, you don't have that, s that same, um, it's saying, um, distraction of trying to possess if you have that ethical discipline. And it doesn't mean that you've just taken some vows. It means you have that ethical discipline. Um, so uh, it's, it's saying possess, um, so it's not just saying here that you've taken a vow. It's saying you possess what the vow you've taken is, which is it. Um, in this case, um, uh, the ethical discipline, you have those ethics which make you not want to need to possess, be distracted by possessions. Um mm -hmm. Sijin so I did look it up. It says, um, for instance, when you maintain a fully ordained monk's vow, so it, it doesn't, it just, it reads it as an example of why. Um, it says, the method for restraining yourself from the distraction of trying to possess what you do not possess is ethical discipline. For instance, when you maintain a mo uh, fully ordained monk's vows, you do not have all the distractions of making a living. Um, so that's how it reads in the Tibetan. I, uh, and then the method for not abandoning living beings is patience, because you do not despair at the suffering caused by the harm others inflict. So when we look at the various types of patience, we have the, the patience um, which is patient about when others try to harm you, when sentient beings try to harm you. Um, and then there's the patience related to the Dharma. Um, so if you have this patience, Rinpoche is saying, um, then uh, you will not abandon living beings um, because you don't, uh, aren't bothered by the suffering that comes from uh, doing so. So interacting with, with beings, you'll want to free them because you won't be bothered by the suffering that comes from that process. Um, so that's how patience in this case helps you not abandon living beings um, and how uh, 
um, um, Does the method to increase virtues is joyous perseverance because you increase them when you joyously persevere at what you undertake. Um, so um, when you engage in virtue through your body, speech, and mind, um, doing so joyously with much effort increases the amount of virtue that you uh, achieve because you're doing it with much more effort and with much more intention and so forth. Um, so it increases the amount of virtue that you have. Uh, so when you do something positive through your body, speech, or mind, um, if the virtue that you do is coupled with joyous perseverance, it increases that virtue. Dixon. That Diba Noba Yutone, Pashin Tamani, the Diba Noba Yutote, Diba de la Nudita Shidini Marbe, Nudita Shidini, Tauma Tanju Ajena, Nandila Nudim, Charles, Numobadan, Danzinta, Danzing Bashar, Samala Nudis, Nudit. What the Timmy Dajumbo, what the Pondo is, Nudit. That she did the Karaja was an it says then, the methods for clearing away obscurations are the final two perfections because meditative stabilization clears away the afflictions and wisdom clears away the cognitive obscurations. So, here, uh, this is speaking of the obstructions, the afflictive obstructions, and the obstructions to omniscience. Uh, so, a Hinayanist, a foe destroyer, gets rid of the afflictive obstructions uh, because, according to the Madhyamika Prasangika view, the middle way consequence view, if it is grasping at true establishment, uh, it's necessarily. Uh, uh, afflictive obstruction. Um, so this grasping at true establishment um, is considered the afflictive obstruction. <coughs> so these are gotten rid of uh, through the various wisdoms um, and once they're removed then one is liberated. One is in the state of nirvana. Uh, so when he or she removes the grasping at true establishment um, the afflictive obstructions are removed and once the afflictive obstructions are removed the grasping at true establishment is removed um, uh, so what is left over are the imprints of this grasping now the Hiniana foe destroyer still has these imprints these are called the obstructions to omniscience and those once removed produce a Buddha so the Buddha is the only being who has removed these obstructions to omniscience, um, and these are removed 
through the Bodhisattva grounds. Um, so, uh, so the methods of clearing away the obscurations. What are the obscurations? The afflictive obstructions and the obstructions to omniscience. And how are they gotten rid of? Uh, they are gotten rid of by calm abiding and special insight. Dixon. So the grasping at phenomena is being truly established is the root of cyclic existence. Um, it is the understanding that all phenomena are lack a truly established self that gets rid of this mistaken view. Um, so that the root of this is grasping, is this mistaken view that believes that everything is truly established. There has some in inherent singularity. So this is what is meant in the Sutra of the Heart of Transcendent Knowledge where it says seeing the five skandhas to be empty of nature and then it also says things like there's no eye, no ear, no nose, no tongue, no body, no mind, no appearance, no sound, etc. So this negation is negating the truly existent eye, ear, nose, tongue, etc. Um, not ex the existence of those things. It's the true existence of those things that is being negated. So, when one mistakes a rope for a snake, there is only one view that will get rid of the mistaken view that thinks that the rope's a snake. And that is that the rope is a rope, um, and that the rope is not a snake. Uh, once one recognizes that it's a rope and not a snake, everything that comes from thinking it's a snake is cleared away. Likewise, the only thing that gets rid of the grasping at true establishment is the understanding that phenomena are not truly established. Um, and once, like in the case of the rope and the snake, once one gets rid of the grasping at true establishment, Everything that that grasping creates is gotten rid of. So uh, once the grasping of true establishment is gotten rid of, the afflictions are gotten rid of, and then the karma is gotten rid of, and therefore the cyclic existence is gotten rid of. Uh, so this is how the process works of the, um, and how, how the process works of getting rid of the afflictions. That so it's really, it's necessary though uh, to establish by way of a correct sign this lack of true establishment. It's not something that's just easily understood. 
we have to use signs in order to understand what it means. Uh, so what is the sign that we use? We say that phenomena are not truly established because they dependently originate. They are interdependent. They are a collection of things that come together and then these things that come together serve as a basis of designation. This basis of designation then is suitable to be named as this or that. So then it is named as this or that and then it becomes that thing. But there is no that thing separate from that process of naming a collection of parts that serve as a basis of designation. Uh, so that's what is meant by phenomena are not truly established because they dependently originate. The dependent origination is how they come into being through this collection um, and then a name. And without that collection and that name, that thing isn't there. Um, so that's the, um, uh, the point and how we establish lack of true establishment. It's not something we just understand immediately. We understand it by using signs and correct signs. So, how does this relate to the pathways? Uh, there are five Mahayana pathways. There are five pathways a note for Hinayana as well and Tantra. Um, but in this case, we'll speak of just the Mahayana Sutra vehicle. There are five pathways. The path of accumulation, the path of preparation, the path of seeing, the path of meditation, and the path of no more learning. Uh, so, how does one go through these and how does emptiness, what does emptiness have to do with anything? Uh, so at the path of accumulation is when a being becomes a bodhisattva. Once he or she generates bodhicitta um, and has during that time also an understanding of emptiness in an intellectual way. Um, not a through signs or reason, not through concentration, but there's an understanding of emptiness at that point. Um, but the main sign that that being has become a bodhisattva, I mean that that being is on the path of accumulation, is that he or she achieved bodhicitta. That's the entry into the path of accumulation, the generation of bodhicitta. Um, and then, so he or she then is studying emptiness, and once there is a union of, of calm abiding and special insight related to emptiness as the object of observation, then that being moves from the path of accumulation to the path of, of uh, preparation. And uh, so it goes through the three stages of the path of accumulation, and then he or she gets a union of calm abiding and special insight, and then goes through the four stages of the path of uh, preparation. So path of accumulation, three stages, path of preparation, uh, uh, accumulation, three stages, path of preparation, four stages. And then once there is a direct valid cognition of emptiness, a direct perception without the use of signs, 
that were necessary at the path of preparation, he or she moves from the path of preparation to the path of seeing. Um, so at the path of seeing, one sees emptiness and that's the door into the path of seeing. Um, and then the rest of the paths are more realizations in a subtler way up to uh, the path of no more learning. So from the path of seeing to the path of meditation, there are more and more subtle understandings and then the path of no more learning to where uh, no more learning than the person is a Buddha. Um, so these, this is what's going on during those stages. The path of accumulation is the generation of bodhicitta. There's go through three stages in studying emptiness and then there's, it begins to be a calm, abiding, and special insight union as an object of with emptiness as the object. Goes through those stages and then at then once one has this correct sign and this union of calm abiding and special insight related to emptiness, then there's a direct perception of that emptiness. That's the path of seeing. And, and uh, as a translator's note, that's the first bodhisattva ground, the path of seeing, uh, after one is released from the path of seeing. Uh, so, uh, oh, so those five paths we find in the Sutra of the Heart of Transcendent Knowledge. It says, Teata Om Gate Gate Paragate Parasangate Bodhisattva. Uh, that mantra, that Sanskrit mantra embedded in the Sutra refers to the five paths. The first Gate refers to the path of accumulation. The second Gate refers to the path of preparation. Paragate refers to the path of uh, seeing. Uh, Parasamgati refers to the path of meditation and Bodhisoha refers to the path of no more learning. Uh, so we find these five paths even expressed in the Heart Sutra uh, in an implicit way and that is what the meaning of the, um, I'm sorry, those are the practices and the realizations that occur on those five pathways. So all of the <coughs> pathways of the Hinayana and Mahayana are said to be summarized in that one mantra, Teata Om Gate Gate Paragate Parasangate Bodhisoha. The entire path um, the Buddha has presented of the lesser vehicle and the great vehicle is found implicitly in that mantra. Okay, so anyway, um, uh, so there are two different, uh, sorry about that, keep hitting my headset and he's got to readjust. There are two different schools in the tantric vehicle. One school says that the five tantric paths are presented in the Heart Sutra. The other school says no. That's not the case. They aren't. It's not presented. Um, so there are two different ways of thinking. Rinpoche said it's a vast explanation we're not going to get into because um, I started to try. Um, and he said that it's just, it's a lot of information. There's scholars that debate about it. There's two different um, classes. One says yes, one says no. 
um, and it has to do with the varying uh, um, also explanations that do with the um, generation and completion stages of Tantra and the yoga with and without signs and how they relate to it so that's why it's debated because there are these other divisions that um, don't seem to correspond so The afflictive obstructions um, are completely gotten rid of by the bodhisattva on the eighth bodhisattva ground. So it's stated at the eighth bodhisattva ground that that bodhisattva um, is a foe destroyer. Um, but there are still remaining obstructions to omniscience that are gotten rid of and those last grounds uh, that differentiate them from a foe destroyer of the Hinayana and uh, become a foe destroyer of the Mahayana. So when one, ent when one uh, sees emptiness, has a direct valid cognition of emptiness, um, at that point he or she enters the first bodhisattva ground um, and then there are nine levels of... Um, of negativities that are gotten rid of um, uh, throughout various stages. So there are uh, the nine are the, the they, they read something like the grade of, of, of great, medium and small, the medium of great, medium and small, the small of great, medium and small, um, three, six, nine. They read, I think that's it. I think they read in some way like that. Um, and uh, so there are various abandonments uh, so it is the, um, here they are, this is it, so the, Tetsuko, uh, Shiji Bacha Chungun Dengi Chambu Sun, Bacha Dele Chengi Chungun Sun, Chambu De, Pesci Sajjeba, Pengu Bung, Sajjeba Toma Dege, Gupa, the dean, Shiji dean, Sagupa. Then Sajupa, Tambo, the Chamo Chung. Okay, so okay, so the way that this that the obstructions are negated is that the uh, afflictive obstructions are gotten rid of um, through the various eight bodhisattva grounds. At the eighth bodhisattva ground, it is said that the um, uh, Mahayanist is the same place that the Hinayanist who has completed the path would be. So that the eighth bodhisattva ground, uh, it says that they um, are, uh, they've completed the Hinayana path, if you will. Completed all of the things that a Hinayanist would 
Um, and then they begin to eliminate what they sought to overcome in the first place in the Mahayana, the obstructions to omniscience. Um, so the way that that works is that the eighth, um, the second part of the eighth bodhisattva ground, the big obstructions to omniscience are removed. Um, so, uh, so there are various um, ways that, that it's explained, but the big ones are removed. Then the ninth bodhisattva ground, the middle, the middle um, obstructions to omniscience are removed. And then the first part of the tenth bodhisattva ground, the coarse, small obstructions to omniscience are removed. And the last part of the tenth bodhisattva ground, the subtle, small obstructions to omniscience are removed. Um, so we have more subtler and subtler and subtler obstructions to omniscience removed as one goes from the 8th, 9th, and 10th Bodhisattva ground. And once one completes the 10th Bodhisattva ground, that's the line of demarcation between sentient being and Buddha. Um, so once one finishes the 10th Bodhisattva ground, then one becomes a Buddha. Um, and the, the first eight get rid of the same things the Hinayanas does in terms of obstructions to uh, afflictive obstructions, obstructions to liberation. And then the obstructions to omniscience are gotten rid of by way of the second part of the eighth bodhisattva ground on up. Selpo lapsong ramache all sentient beings um, uh, have uh, the ability uh, um, to get rid of uh, the um, afflictive obstructions uh, and the obstructions to omniscience. Um, all of them have this. All of them have this Buddha potential. Uh, so um, there's no one uh, who uh, um, does not have the potential to do so. Um, and anybody who's interested in this topic on how these are all removed, um, you if in Jeffrey Hopkins' Meditation on Emptiness, it goes through um, in, in a section uh, how each ground gets rid of the, the coarse uh, afflictions, innate afflictions, and, the, and then how the obstructions to omniscience are gotten rid of. Uh, so there's a clear explanation that Roy Lee, Rinpoche's old translator, used to use to explain this topic when we went through the Heart Sutra. Um, so it's a very good resource for this. Okay, Okay. <laughs> Tingazi, <laughs> um, 
the, the methods for clearing away obscurations are the final two preparation, perfections because meditative stabilization clears away the afflictions and wisdom clears away the cognitive obscurations. Thus the perfections are fixed as six in number. Uh, So, in, again, the, the path, i.e. method for not being attached to the resources that are your perfections is generosity because you become free from attachment to your things by becoming habituated to generosity. The method for restraining yourself from distraction of trying to possess what you do not possess is ethical discipline for when you maintain a monk's vow, uh, you do not have all the distractions of making a living. The method for not abandoning living be beings is patience uh, because you do not despair at the suffering caused by others, by the harm others inflict. The method to increase virtues is joyous perseverance because you increase them when you joyously persevere at what you undertake. The method for clearing away obscurations are the final two perfections because meditative stabilization clears away the afflictions and wisdom clears away the cognitive obscurations. Thus the perfections are fixed as six in number. And the uh, Mahayana Sutra Alamkara is quoted, um, the ornament for the Mahayana Sutra states, non-attachment to objects is a path. Uh, another is restraint from the distraction of obtaining them, not abandoning beings, increasing virtues, and clearing away the obscurations are others. So we see uh, non-attachment relating to generosity, restraint, uh, from the distraction of obtaining them, being ethical discipline, not abandoning beings, being patience, increasing virtues related to uh, effort, 
and clearing away the obscurations related to concentration and wisdom. So uh, this is how the uh, quote relates to the fixed number again. Uh, The following explanation, so uh, Rimche reread the ornament. The, so the quote from the ornament for the Mahayana Sutra states, non-attachment to objects is a path. Another is restraint from <coughs> the distraction of obtaining them. Not abandoning beings, increasing virtues, and clearing away the obscurations are others. Uh, so here are the fruits of the six perfections um, th that are presented and showing how they are labeled definitely number six. The following explanation produces strong conviction about the six perfections. 
In order to avoid being dominated by the distraction of sensual objects, you need generosity that is free from attachment. To, to prevent sensory experiences that have not occurred, you need ethical discipline that restrains distraction by things that are pointless, deeds that are wrong by prohibition, or counterproductive, deeds that are wrong by nature. Given that there are a great number of living beings whose behavior is bad, and who you are constantly in danger of meeting, you need a powerful condition, conditioning to patience as a remedy for giving up on their welfare in order to increase virtue in terms of the great number of actions and its practice over long periods of time. And you need joyous perseverance that has the intense and long-term enthusiasm that comes from reflecting on the benefits of virtuous actions, etc., in order to suppress afflictions, you need meditative stabilization to destroy their seeds, and the cognitive obscurations, you need wisdom. Okay. Kalosa. What about the Gonga Mebuchi? So, uh, this section uh, we can understand a very small part of. Uh, there's a much greater meaning to it, but we're able to, in our limited understanding, be able to understand just a little bit of it based on that. After he read that that paragraph, uh, Rinpoche said that. Dixon. Okay. Uh, so we would now we'd be getting into sex I told Rimache we didn't take a break. Um but that's fine. Uh, and to get into number six would be more a lot of information. So Rimache said maybe now would be a good time to have questions. So uh, question and answer period. So if anybody has any questions, um, if not, I'll ask one of a group of questions that I put together. I'm going to start asking one question per question period that relates to those questions that we talked about. Anyone? Rimache, the Trua, the May Sheda Sarpa Lena, the Satambo, Nama Nampichu Lobjung Shemason, then Kon Dembaji Anjar Gumason, then the Chikshena Kon the Jikten Genda Lesson, then Cheran the Sano Garyube, then Nampichu Tsawa. Gari Keshu, that's the Konsu, the Leitambo, the Nampi Sarpa, the Cheran, the Karma Chi, Karma Ni Yuna, Cheran Garila. Okay, so this, I'm gonna, so the question is, I'm sorry? Oh, I don't need that. Okay, so the question is, I'm sorry, I thought we had some different system. into it. So the question is, if, someone were to arrive at a Buddhist center, had no prior understanding of Buddhism, 
didn't know anything about the Four Noble Truths, had never studied anything about it. I said, perhaps they're from another planet. And they had no understanding of the Dharma. What would you think would be the most important thing to tell that person about Buddhism? If you had a few minutes only, what do you think the most important thing for someone new is? The lapcha. The larona. Kang is saying, Natsu Zunjut soaks on the Tri Wakashi Zusu. Nambichu so, Jantro, Lejre, Jantro, Lejre, 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 then a lapcha gare, the me sarpa lena chu karma ni, then konso the jikten jenda drogare, then cherang karma ni yure, then nampichu dunda dudushe guna, the cherangare lagare, the triwa. Nampichu that Nampichu gun, nachu guna the jondu mara jondu. Less so. Tangela chosen the jondu. Less so. Jondu do yena number in this. Less so. Nambarin um, so I just reiterate. So Rinpoche said, if somebody has just as if somebody has um, been many times to Buddhist teachings, or if someone has never been to a Buddhist teaching, um, it doesn't matter because everybody's continuum is different um, and where someone is at isn't certain. Um, so in terms of what their reality um, isn't certain. Um, so everybody has the same potential um, and that's what's most important. And so I pressed the issue. I said, how would you summarize though if they, if they were not ever going to come back and you needed to summarize Buddhism in a few minutes? Rinpoche said the following. He said that the entrance to Buddhism really is refuge. So speaking about what refuge in the Buddha, refuge in the Dharma, and refuge in the Sangha is, is truly the first topic of importance for a beginning Buddhist. Um, so the understanding of what those three are uh, would be the entrance into the understanding of Buddhism. Um, but once one has an understanding of what refuge is and has entered that door, because one becomes a Buddhist when he or she goes for refuge to the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha. So one becomes a Buddhist by going <laughs> for... 
And then speak about going for refuge to those three jewels. Without knowing what those three are, it's not possible to go for refuge, and there would be no reason to go for refuge. So first, it's a complete understanding of what those three are, and then going for refuge. By going for refuge, that makes you a Buddhist. Uh, it doesn't matter if it's a ceremony or not a ceremony. Just by you going for refuge mentally, to the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha, that makes you a Buddhist. That's the qualification. And some would say to what is a Buddhist, who is a Buddhist, someone who asserts that the three jewels are their refuge. Um, others would assert those who agree with what the three jewels say, um, but the, the main understanding is those who assert the three jewels as their refuge. So once one has understood that, so once the explanation and the understanding of the three jewels and refuge is there, then the person has to see what his or her inclination is to. Some people have a stronger connection and affinity to the teachings for beings of small capacity. So those would be the teachings where someone would just throughout their day engage in the ethics which abandons the ten non-virtuous activities, um, go for refuge, um, uh, and, and the, the Jipo Chungo, the Jiantro... <laughs> So it's very similar to looking, when we look at refuge, um, looking at a doctor's office. So, for instance, if a doctor um, prescribes you all of this medicine, prescribes you all of these things to do for your illness, If you don't take the medicine, if you don't do what the doctor says, then you can't be cured. So one has to understand that he or she has a responsibility in taking the medicine, in doing the practices. So you see what your affinity is for. Some have an affinity for the small scope teachings where refuge and engaging in ethics, um, which abandons the ten non Uh, virtuous activities um, becomes important. And then uh, some may have more of an affinity towards just lib to liberation uh, for themselves alone, to nirvana. And those who have an affinity for that uh, begin studying the three highest higher trainings of ethics, concentration, uh, and wisdom. And then there are those who maybe have an affinity for Uh, complete Buddhahood and have the ability to understand what the meaning of the, the middle way view is uh, and have the ability to engage in the practices of bodhicitta and then unite the practice of bodhicitta with that calm abiding and special insight that has as its object of observation emptiness. So if you can unite bodhicitta with that emptiness, wisdom, then one can become a Buddha. So it really, once one understands the basics of refuge and why one should go for refuge and what the objects of refuge are, then you find what your affinity is to, what you are connected most to, and begin from there. Uh, study of karma and its results, study of the Lam Rim, these are all excellent topics, but the first topic, the first most important thing is to understand what the Buddha 
jewel is, what the Dharma jewel is, and what the Sangha jewel is. It's very important. It's important to think a lot over and over again about why am I doing this? Why am I a Buddhist? What is the reason for this? The reason is that I want happiness and I don't want suffering. Uh, how can I remove suffering? How can I be in a state of happiness? Like all sentient beings want happiness, I want happiness. Other sentient beings do as well. So I'm doing this so I can become, uh, virtue causes happiness, so I'm engaging in virtue to become happy. So we have to analyze what the reason we're doing this ultimately for is, so that we continue to do it. <laughs> And also it's so important we think to ourselves, we're sentient beings, we're a human right now. But it's strange, how did this occur? How did this happen? Uh, so it's important to think, is there an end? Was there a beginning? These things become important to think about when we observe ourselves. And this all falls into the... Um, the, the, the point of happiness. How far into the future am I looking? So if you can't come up with a series of causes that lead up to where we are now and say that they're from a previous this or a previous that, um, and we say that this is from a previous moment, previous moment, previous moment. If we can't assert that logically, then that's how you come up with an idea that God just created everything. Um, so the Christian idea is that uh, God created all of this um, and there's no need to look to the, the cause of this or that because it's clear it's God. Um, so as Buddhists, we, we look to what the exact causes are. So Buddhists say there's a previous life and there's a future life. What is the correct sign to prove that? So one reason is, is that we have this consciousness. Where did the consciousness come from? It came from a previous consciousness. We trace it back. We can say that the consciousness of this life came from the intermediate state consciousness that came from the previous life's consciousness that came from that intermediate state's consciousness. So we find this beginningless stream of consciousness when we we look to where did this consciousness come from. We look for its origin. We find it came from before. So 
So it's, it's uh, where, when we look at our consciousness, we look at our life, uh, we, we say that it came from a previous life that came from a previous life. We say that life has caused life. Just like, where does a mango tree come from? A uh, mango tree comes from a pre previous mango tree from a previous mango tree. We don't find this first. We just say from a previous. Um, so in the same case of this consciousness and the six consciousnesses in the, our life came from previous. So when we say, we see, we say all of these things, whether they are virtue, whether they are non-virtue, whether they are ethically neutral or not presented in scripture, all are beginningless. We say that they have beginningless arisal, no beginning to their arisal, no first. So thinking about these things would be very good, no? So that's six, seven minutes of pretty encapsulated uh, Buddhism. So maybe that's enough. Uh, so we'll end there. Two chain of Rinpoche. The Triwa Kashe Yure, the Jemange Triwa Nipas. The Natsu, the Me Sarpa Sarpa Gari Yakshu. The Triwa. The Yapudu. So we have the concluding mandala offering and, and dedication prayer. And anyone who's new, if you turn to the page before that, you see Prayer of Refuge in Bodhicitta. That one stanza really summarizes what Rinpoche said uh, a new Buddhist should take with him or her. Um, that one stanza there and what it means. Uh, concluding mandala offering and dedication prayer. The fundamental ground is scented with incense and strewn with flowers, adorned with Mount Meru, the four continents, the sun and the moon. I imagine this as a Buddha land and offer it. May all sentient beings enjoy this pure realm. I dedicate whatever virtues I have collected for the benefit of the teachings and of all sentient beings, and in particular for the essential teachings of Venerable Lozandrapa to shine forever. I send forth this jeweled mandala to you, precious Guru. I dedicate all this virtue to emulate the knowledge of the hero Manjushri and likewise Samantabhadra as well. With whatever dedication is praised as supreme by all the conquerors who traverse the three times, I also dedicate all my roots of virtue for the sake of auspicious deeds. In that pure land surrounded by snowy mountains, you are the source of all benefit and happiness. All-powerful Avalokiteshvara Tenzin Yatso, may you stay until samsara's end. I pray for the long life of the precious Kensar Wandat, upholder of scriptural and realizational doctrines, spiritual friend who trained extensively in the five great philosophical texts, with exceptional wisdom and perseverance. Tuji Ramachi Gutsi Shapi Denraman, Latsu Lamaram Chemokonga Chirona, Shedasobodu.